0: A show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, Om Shanti and welcome to your next normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. Every day, folks, I find myself paying attention to the world behind my eyes. I want to be one of the most happiest, beautiful, wonderful, generous, sacred person I can be for me. And there are times that I've even imitated where I said, what if there was nobody in the world? What would I do with myself? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What if there was no one else in the world around you? What would be your thoughts, your words, and your choices? What would be your behavior? Would you just lay in the bed chomping away at potato chips and watching reruns? (laughs) What would you be doing? And I answer that question, I just want to be able to do me and be happy. And one of the things that gives us a lot of happiness is financial abundance, but also relationship abundance, and of course our ability to stay positive in the midst of change. Each conversation I have on the air with our wonderful guests is to help you and me to get across that next hump, to be able to find some sort of a solution to our life's unfolding. Not to say that a lot of information isn't out there, but it could be that when that right information hits you at that moment of silence and wisdom in you, it could change you forever. My special guest today, Sarah McCrum, believes that In a society that is fundamentally based in love, generosity, and deep understanding of the essence of being human, her purpose is to contribute to creating a world that works for all of humanity. She's an author, educator, and business innovator. She's the founder of Liberate Humanity, which is a place for learning and sharing the skills of liberation of the human spirit. Sarah has spent more than 20 years teaching and coaching business owners and their families. She's the creator of the innovative program, Thank You Money, based on the principles of her book, Love Money, Money Loves You. Over 10,000 people have completed courses with Sarah, building a relationship with money that's founded in love, abundance, generosity, and nature. Sarah is also one of the evolutionary leaders in service of conscious evolution, who, as you all know, I'm also a member of. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Sarah McCrum to the air. And Sarah, thank you for reminding us that money can also love us. So very, very warm welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's so good to be here.
0: I'll tell you this. I'm in a particular period where I'm looking for a very little amount of money to finish a project that I started about a year ago. And I've turned to friends. Friends have been very generous. And I'm just at the tail end of my final capping of this project. And I've turned inwards to myself and wonder, why hasn't this money shown up for me yet? It's such a small amount. you know. Why hasn't it shown up for me? I thought I was being positive. I thought I've reached out to friends. I've sent out this, and I think I'm pretty optimistic. Why isn't that half a million in front of me right now? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, I often say to people that it's actually not a really good question to ask because, you know, sometimes when we look at what we're doing wrong, we then focus on what am I doing wrong? And even finding out what you're doing wrong doesn't necessarily make you do the right thing. But what I learned, I had this long kind of almost like a dialogue with money, so to speak. My book, Love Money, Money Loves You, is actually money talking to us and so When I say what I've learned, I learned this stuff from having this kind of conversation with money, kind of with the energy of money, and it taught me a whole lot of things, some about what we do wrong, but actually what it's usually more about is what is it that we need to do that we might not have done before? Or what is it that needs to open up in me that wasn't open before, not because I was doing something wrong, but just because I haven't been here before? I find that money challenges the place where something happens inside you, inside me, whenever we have that kind of challenge that opens up something that's not really about the money at all. The money kind of mm-hmm. comes along the way. It's really not about the money. You will know that extremely well. And so I think that's a more interesting territory. And the thing that I learned, which has been so valuable for me, is to ask money directly like usually what we do is we think oh well who can i ask i can ask this person who's got the money we go through all of the what can i do what money taught me was somehow just really to ask directly so directly like sometimes i literally say please bring me whatever this is the amount of money the half a million dollars or whatever i need to complete this project and then i always say or something better because it kind of takes the pressure off in case I haven't really figured it out right. There might be a really much better solution. And that frees me then to kind of relax. And I was taught by money that to relax and enjoy is really the key to the whole thing.
0: I love that because a lot of people tend to be very tense when it comes on to paying those bills at the end of the month or dealing with a commitment that they had promised to fulfill and have found themselves quite short. And by the way, I took your test. My oh, producer Antonia mm-hmm. and I, she says, okay, so let's do this with you and see. And I think I ranked like 68 and then 78 for something else. And most mm-hmm. of them were in the 70s. So yes. I thought that I was imagine okay. imagine your
1: purpose score would be very high.
0: It was, very high. So everyone, I would definitely recommend when you go to Sarah's website, you take the test. So back to this whole notion of thanking money and loving money. So was it that you were at a particular period in your life that you needed financial abundance and did you start to talk to money? And if you did, in what way and how long and are you still talking to money? And is it talking back to you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of questions Yes, I was. I don't think that I could even say at that point I was looking for abundance. I was looking for survival. My business had gone out of business in the last recession, so I'd lost everything, really. I was not able to pay for the apartment that I was living in, so it was that serious. And I had nothing to do. I was used to working seven days a week from five in the morning till seven, eight, nine, ten at night, typical kind of business owner type of lifestyle. So it was not only no money, but also nothing to do except think about what can we do next. And actually what happened was that I went to some kind of weekend money boot camp, which didn't feel very comfortable for me, but I went. And I was given a little book, and in the book it said, What Would Money Like to Say to You? And I just started journaling, and my pen literally started writing for me. And it was the most extraordinary and really beautiful experience, because the first thing it said to me was, I would like to tell you to love me. And then it went on and it said, essentially, do whatever you want with me. It's like collect me or spend me or pay with me or invest me. It was like there are no rules about what's good or bad to do with me. Like I'm here, I'm totally available for you. I'm here to serve humanity. was essentially what it said. I connect human beings together in their creativity and in the way that we contribute our gifts to each other. And it ended up saying, don't wait, just take me, I will love you. So it was an incredible, very touching experience. And then a couple of days later I thought, hmm, that was so amazing. Shall I see if money would like to say something else to me? And it did. And the first thing it said is you all need to relax about money. Everyone, even the very wealthy, it said. Everyone's misunderstood what money is. And it says things like, You can't use money to somehow save yourself or anything, but it says that what it is is so beautiful and so available that really anything becomes possible if you understand what it is. But because we've misunderstood it, we tend to use it the wrong way and we hurt ourselves and each other more than anything in the way we do it. So I went on doing that every day for a few months and that's what created the book. The book is just the raw text of what money said to me. I realized it was not only speaking to me, it was actually speaking to all of us. And yes, I can talk to money anytime I want to, as can just about anyone. I teach people how to do that all the time, and they find it remarkably easy. And they also get very beautiful messages from money. It's really interesting. You can feel this consistent, powerful energy that sits behind our notes and our coins and our transactions and all of that. And I will say, it didn't mean that I was an instant kind of miracle. I have had to change and continue to have... There are things that I am growing all the time in my relationship with money. This is the kind of question you had at the beginning. I can totally relate to because it's not like, oh, now I've got the key, now I can do it. It's more like being married. There is no key to being married except, you know, you need to stick in there and through the difficult parts and enjoy. It's a lifelong relationship.
0: Yeah. It's so funny, you know, back in the day before currencies emerged, we bartered. You've got oranges, I have apples. And I just don't know where the greed factor entered here where even if I had oranges and you had apples, I want more apples that you have but I'll give you only a few of my oranges. Like, I don't know where that consciousness started where we became so constricted, so tight when it came on to us possessing things and possessing something like money. By now, we all know money is an energy. What would you say is the greatest block to us not allowing that vibration to flow through our personality? What's blocking us? Do we not feel that we're worthy to be abundant?
1: I think it presents itself as a worth thing, so that's how people experience it, that somehow I'm not worthy, but I think it goes much deeper than that. I think through many different cultural traditions, religious traditions, from so many different sources, we've split money from being good. And I grew up in a more of a Christian background, and it's really strong in Christianity, that if you're a good person, pretty much you have to be poor. And it's different in different cultural expressions, but I noticed that in the East and the West, I spent a lot of time training more of a Chinese system. I would say there are such strong stereotypes of the most virtuous, the so the most good people being really poor in a way. Now, I know that that might not be their experience, but the presentation of it is that, that I think that we're really split and conflicted inside And so I come across people who maybe are wealthy and feel very guilty about it and feel that they're taking money from other people, even though they know perfectly well that actually creating wealth creates opportunity. It doesn't take it away. If you run a business, you create jobs for people. That's how people survive. So this kind of deep conflict that we experience inside ourselves, I think makes it so that there's a lot of shame there's a lot of guilt. And this will be different in different cultures. Be, that worthiness thing can also tie in with my sense of, do I deserve to experience any of the riches of life? Any of the what life has to offer? I think that that all then gets tied up inside it.
0: I understand that very much. It's all a soul connection, isn't it? And I think we need to understand why Is our relationship, not connection with money, relationship with money so important, especially in these times after we've survived a global pandemic and we're witnessing political strife everywhere we turn and we're in the midst of another cold world war with Ukraine and Russia's disagreements with each other? Let's look at money's playing a role even with the war in Ukraine right now. And even with the other countries participating and supporting to help, it's plain, money is a big reason why they're not making those decisions as well as other decisions. Please don't get me wrong. Why is our relationship with money so important, Sarah? What do you think?
1: I think that as a soul, we just naturally warm to abundance. I feel like that as human beings, Right, we look for joy, we look for abundance, we look for freedom. These are things that are just in our being somehow. And so I think money is important because of the misunderstandings we have around it and because of these teachings that maybe money is evil or it's corrupting and because of the things that people do with money, which is about the people, it's not about the money, we then end up with this desire for something that we can also hate or we hate what happens as a result of it and I think then you have the conditions, there's a lot of pain inside and then a lot of insecurity and then scarcity and then people start to want to accumulate it and then it starts to drive their decisions and then they make decisions even in a situation like war. Sometimes at a grand scale, we know for example that arms make money. We know that money and power are very connected. And of course, there is a power to money. But once we become that kind of disconnected from ourselves and our own souls and our own being, it seems like we can make decisions that really we must know inside ourselves, hurting other people. But I think people can't step out of it. And I think all of us can relate to that. We all know things that we do in our life that are harmful. And it's like, how do I step out of this? And it's easier to keep going on the track you're on than it is to step out of it and change things and be a different person. It it takes real
0: courage to do that. A lot of humility. Yes. Yes. So, Sarah, you've just left us with some good stuff. Really, how does the way we feel about money affect our ability to live in abundance? Because, like you said, there are some people that actually feel guilty. There's some people who are actually maybe feeling like they don't deserve it. I mean, how does that really affect the way that you know, it flows for us?
1: Well, the easiest way to understand this is actually to think about your relationship with money and then transpose that onto a human being. So, for example, let's say you'd like to have a really close, loving relationship with a partner or somebody else who's important to you. And then you ignore them all the time. Or you don't want to talk with them. You don't really want to feel any kind of connection with them because you think that they're bad or they might hurt you all the time. So you approach them with fear or you feel terrible shame. You feel shame about even knowing this person. And yet you want to have a close, loving relationship with them. And these are things I think we can relate to because we do actually experience these things in our relationships. We can go through a phase where we really want to ignore somebody or we just, I don't want to talk to you. It's like, leave me alone. And what does that do to you? And what does it do to the flow of love between the two of you? Because the energy of money is a kind of energy of love. I see it as an expression of love. It's like the kind of generosity of life that flows through us if you have that kind of standoffish relationship or a shame or guilt-filled relationship, it's going to make it uncomfortable for you. And that closes you down. It makes you defensive. You're not saying, hey, come, you're welcome. I love you and you love me. Let's have a really beautiful time together. You're saying, oh, I feel really unsure about you. I think you might be really bad. You might hurt me or you might make me do awful things. That's a very hard way to relate. So for me, the really beautiful and surprising thing was that in changing my relationship with money, it actually helped me to open up more as a human being and to be able to open up more with other people because it's kind of the same thing.
0: Yeah, it really is. You know, you're touching something that I have never thought about. I just never thought that I could be having an emotional-spiritual connection to money. And I think it might be my 30 years of my path that I've been on, but how does money and spirituality connect? Is there a connection? Right before we got on the air together, I was talking to a very, very well-known sporting athlete, and I was showing her a project that we're working on currently, which is about female empowerment, so on and so on. And there was a part in it where there was a woman who is connected to the divine, but she's also a multimillionaire, and she continues to inspire others to become that too. And for some reason, I was surprised, Sarah, because she said, well, I don't know, spirituality and money. You know, so many people are upset with spiritual people being so affluent. And I paused for a moment, and I said, what is wrong if somebody is affluent with money? I don't see a problem. I think poverty is a sin. I don't think wealth is. And so what's the problem? So what is the connection of the role between spirituality and money?
1: There are so many different expressions of spirituality, and I think each person needs to find their own way of describing it. But let's for a moment put it into God's language as one expression, because that really kind of goes straight to the top, if you like. However you might want to translate God, I'm fine with it. Think of it that way. If you think that God is either everything, or God is love, or God is any of the things that we tend to know God as, then that must include money. If God is everything, or God is the creator of everything, then money is included in that, just as you and I are. And therefore, money to me is a part of the divine expression of life. It's part of the creation of life. It's part of the energy of life, and therefore, there is nothing wrong with it. And I agree with you, actually, to create wealth, create flow, it creates movement. You cannot create wealth in any significant way without creating opportunity for other people and without serving other people. Now, I know that you can create wealth by making products and services that hurt people. We all know that. And you can create products and services that benefit people. I also think that almost all human beings in their hearts would rather be involved with products and services that benefit people. It feels good to make something and share something and sell something and serve all those people if it's something that really is good for people. We know that's not really the case all the time at the moment. But to me, then you start to see that money in its true expression is connected all the way up from God, the divine source, however you want to put it, all the way down to you, your purpose, how you contribute. Because when we contribute to others and the well-being of others, that gives us a sense of purpose. We feel like my life is meaningful. So it connects to me from the spiritual through to the material. I've tried kind of being all spiritual and no material. That's how I ended up with really a very difficult problem to solve. I've tried. I'm not so good probably being all material and no spiritual. Once I kind of got more interested in spirituality, that's harder. But I know plenty of people who've tried that experiment pretty extremely. And it's really uncomfortable. And what I notice is when we bring, if we can express that spiritual, the joy here in this body, then we really get to experience it. It's the same with money. If we can express abundance, not just as a spiritual concept, actually as a real thing, also physically and materially and have that sense of generosity and sharing, to me that's a a more human, more kind of fulfilling experience of life. I think it's harder, but I feel that's what we're really about.
0: I believe what you said, you go so much into the spiritual and you don't have food on your table. Mm -hmm. Then you go so much into the material and you just can't be happy in your own company. There really is an introduction for some sort of a balancing act here with spirituality, finance, humanity, nature, the invisible and the visible. I don't know what it is, Sarah. Am I just naive But I feel like if the top 10% of people came up with a great idea to end poverty, we could do it tomorrow. I mean, am I just you know out there in the moondocks? And I really think there'll come a time where there shouldn't be a child going to bed hungry. Of course. It's unconscionable,
1: really, that we allow ourselves to live in a world where there are people who are hungry and there are people who don't have clean water, which is so fundamental and so simple to solve. But you know what, I find challenging. I'm actually, just two weeks ago, I launched a business that specifically is designed to be a solution in many ways to the tricky bit, which is the money bit. Many of the people who want to do good things in the world haven't really solved the money bit, and then they're always limited. So we've actually created something that fills that missing piece. I think the challenge is, because of the history of money and the culture of money, which we've talked about and is different in different cultures, but there's a strong culture around money everywhere. What I see is there's just so much hatred and rejection of it amongst people who don't engage with money. And the people who are very successful and very powerful, from what I can see mostly, they don't really understand this sense that money is actually connected with love. And so I think a lot of what they're doing is driven by some kind of inner, pain, insecurity, all the things that we can all experience. But if you can imagine being that powerful, I met somebody once who had been married to somebody who was a multi-multi-billionaire and she said the amount of fear in his family was unbelievable. And a lot of what they practiced was learning how to kind of concentrate their power to prevent them from feeling the fear. So I know in my heart that if people who are not so afraid, because perhaps you have some of that spiritual sense of inner comfort and inner peace, if we can yes. create solutions that are not driven by fear and insecurity and unnameable kind of pain maybe that people experience, then I think that things can change. And I have the sense that it could be that we will rush together when we see that there's a way. The amount of relief that people feel when I show them that there is actually a way to do money that supports good people doing good things, it's almost like, wow, no one's ever shown me that before.
0: Yeah, amazing. You know, Global Citizens just launched an initiative to raise money for refugees from the Ukraine-Russia war. They raised over, I think it was, 30 billion dollars what within just yeah. a week's time and i think why is that the whole energy of this ukraine russia thing is just not now right after pandemic there's no need for this kind of ignorance or hate or greed or you know lack of but i think there's also been many of us who have had a lot in our lives but we didn't serve the soul So even if you have millions or billions and your spirit hasn't been nurtured, it will never be enough. And there was a couple, a family in India, they're called the Ambani's. And many years ago, he married off his daughter, and he must be maybe Forbes' top 10 or 20 richest men in the world. And he married off his daughter and the wedding cost a little bit over 1 million U.S. And there were people who mocked and who said, look at all the money he's wasting. He could be doing something else with it. India's so poor. And I didn't see that. I saw that he had so much love for his daughter that he showed that in all the money that he paid for Beyonce to come. He paid for Hillary Clinton to come to her wedding. It was that he had that much love. And he was able to show it in money. So I think a lot of people are not aware that an expression of money is also rooted in your expression of love in some ways. And I think that's huge.
1: And also, I think what we're often not aware of is that when you are really wealthy, money is not your problem. You can make more money. Like Money flows very easily for people who've already got that mastery. Whether they do good or bad things with it, That's the whole thing. And I love that, you know, that he could express his generosity and his love through his daughter's wedding and probably through many other things that he will do. Because his daughter is a place where he probably finds his soul. And he may not find it in business a lot of the time because it's hard to bring your soul to business. Like I really try and it's challenging to be, really show up and really be me and not be pushed into a corner or to be squashed or to be all the things that can happen so easily in a pretty rough world in a way but i think it's really important for people to realize that if money is your problem it doesn't mean it's everybody's problem some people the money piece they know if he spends a million for him another million is easy for him and actually your story about ukraine and the 30 billion or whatever it is that tells us like I know that there is plenty of money in the world. There Mm -hmm. isn't a shortage of money. It's a question of distribution. And the distribution thing is not only about rich people. To me, it's about all of us opening ourselves to a more generous and more abundant relationship with it so we can let it in. When it's let in, it flows more and more people can become richer. It's not that the rich become poorer and the poor become richer. It doesn't work like that. It actually circulates more and everyone can grow. Now, I know that doesn't happen all the time at the moment, but that's because of all the other things we've talked about, these very conflicting, difficult feelings that people have around money. So, yes, it can really be an act of generosity.
0: It is. There's a soul ache when it comes on to money. Like Some of us want it, but yet we push it back. Some of us have the potential to make it, and when we make it, we lose it. It's all happening up here. Do me a favor. Can you leave our viewers with three simple steps that they should take away from our conversation today that can help them to love money and let money love them back?
1: The things that money talk about and the thing that's easiest to remember are three words come up time and time again in all the messages that I've received from money. The first is relax. Now, it's somehow easy to say relax about money. I know that it's not always easy to do it. But even if you just say to yourself in a situation, it's okay, relax. It's like you're giving yourself an instruction and your body and your mind will hear that instruction and start to respond to it. So I'll often just say to myself, okay, Sarah, relax. Relax my stomach, just relax the bit that's tense, and it will start to relax. So that's the first word, relax. The second word which comes up time and time again and is so surprising is enjoy. So often we're so serious about money, but money says enjoy because then you're open and things can flow and you're more receptive. So if in doubt, or if you're looking for more money and it's not showing up, actually go out and enjoy. Whether you enjoy your work and enjoy what you're doing, or you actually go and do something different for a little while just to get that enjoyment flowing. Enjoyment helps money to flow in your life. And forget about all the old ways. That's the new way. That's how money really works well. So that's relax, enjoy. And the third word we've mentioned many times already is love. I know it's hard to bring love into your relationship with money, but think of it like a relationship, like with another human being. And then say, well, I'd like to have this relationship in my life. I'm not going to throw it away. So I'm going to use what I know about love. For sure you have love in you. We all have it in us. I'm going to apply that with money, just like I would with a human being. Just develop a rather human kind of relationship with it. And then bring just a little bit of love to begin with, tiny bit, and then just like a tiny bit more and see what happens. Just remember the three words, relax, enjoy,
0: and love. Perfect. Sarah McGrom, thank you so much for joining us on here today. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave with our audience before I go? Definitely leave us with your website so they can take your money quiz. And anything else that's on your heart that you'd like to share?
1: So the website is my name, Sarah What I would like to share is that I feel in today's world, you've mentioned the challenges that we're surrounded by, and we know that many of those are translating into financial challenges for people. There's a lot of fear at the moment around scarcity and shortages and things. I've seen it before, and it hasn't always happened, so we don't necessarily need to be afraid of it. But what I want to say is that rather than waiting for somebody else to fix the problem, the government, the banks, whatever, the big institutions, the rich people, you really are the key in your relationship with money. And if you start to do these simple things, start to explore and open it up, you're contributing to the banks and the institutions and the governments and all of those changing. And if they don't change, the people will change. If the people change, the government will change anyway in the end. So whichever way you look at it, whatever your point of view, if you take responsibility in your relationship and you make these simple changes, then you're contributing to a better world. It makes you feel better. It makes other people feel better. And it might be that you hold a little key in this whole thing. And your key is as essential as my key and everybody else's key.
0: Sarah McCrum, thank you so very much. I really, really took a lot from our conversation today.
1: Thank you, Sister Jenna. It's a real pleasure to share it with you.
0: Take care. So everyone, we've taken a lot from Sarah today, haven't we? And I hope that you remember those three steps. Relax, enjoy, love. Put the energy into it. I know sometimes it's financially hard. We've all been there. But she's right. You've got to start to enjoy, put that energy in where you really feel like something is moving for you. Everything is energy. Everything is energy. And so if I'm just laying down and I'm like feeling all disappointed and I'm moving slow and I'm afraid to do anything but yet I want so much or, you know, some of us play it really safe because we're scared that if we do it wrong then this is going to happen or some of us don't do enough because we have some sort of a comfort blanket to run back to. I don't know. But what I do know is that once your soul is in your body, it has a prime opportunity to live fully. And I'm not telling you to live for other people, to just live for you, to see what is in you, what is your capacity, what moves you, what fires you up, what makes you think out of the box, what makes you stop living your life based on the limitations of other people's vision on you. You ever been tested by somebody who sees you 10 times more than you see yourself in the mirror? That's money. Money sees you 10 times more than the way you're living it. So see what you can do and look out for Sarah's book and to visit her on her website and let her know that you actually heard about her on our show today. And I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect that if you really go deep, we're learning to love each other the same. Here's wishing you and your family and your friends health, wealth, and a lot of happiness. Take care. Meditation, Intimate Experiences with the Divine through Contemplative Practices. My new book that is out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and you can get it from Sacred Stories Publishing or on America Meditating Radio. The quieter you become, the more you're able to hear. One of my opening pages of this book. I have heard time and time again that when you go into the stories and the narratives of the 37 authors that are sharing with you their mystical experiences of the divine, something in you changes. It has already reached number one three times in mysticism category and in new age category for new releases. I want you to get a copy for yourself and tell me what you feel as a result of closing that final page of this book. Meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. It's calling you. Can you hear it? Rice Alley Restaurant Wishes you happy holidays. Located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville, Virginia. We're a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi. Come, savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance. We look forward to seeing you there. I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast.